Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What most Hello and welcome to episode 211 of What Most People Think. And I am back in the country. I'm back from uh, Croatia where I saw wildfires and they were they were all my fault. They were all my fault, the wildfires. I, I felt, I felt, well, look, this is how human nature works. I felt bad. Obviously, I flew to Croatia. I am hashtag part of the problem. But I'll tell you what my first thought was when I saw a wildfire is which way is the wind blowing? That must be everybody's first thought upon seeing a wildfire. How close is it? Which way is the wind blowing? And will they shut the bar? Which is the great thing about being the comedian I am is I don't have to pretend I'm a good person. I don't have to pretend I was sitting there worrying about the planet. I was just thinking, I hope I hope the fucking wind doesn't change. And on that note, uh, bringing in this week's guest, who is also willing to be, you know, he's, he's left wing, but other than that, he's all right. Uh, it's Ian Stone, who's up at the end of a fringe. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Hello, Jeff. I'm fresh from my show. I mean, I I literally came off stage, walked across the meadows, and sat down. Any wildfires in Edinburgh? <laughs> it's fourteen degrees, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't they kill for a wildfire up there. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, last year, last year the weather was absolutely glorious up here, and it was. You did think God, the whole world is on fire, but Edinburgh is actually quite pleasant. Now, um, it, it, it's been raining a fair bit, I'll be honest with you. Um, but no, at the moment, it's just sort of dull and grey. As it Okay, we'll is. take that. Uh, uh, what's your show called? What time's it on? Ian Stone will make it better. It is on at four o'clock every day at the Counting House Ballroom, which is on uh, West Nicholson Street in the centre of town. And we should reassure people, uh, certainly after a couple of recent episodes, you're not just going to be slagging off the Tories and... I don't know, Donald Trump. That, that's what people worry about and listen to this podcast. If they go and see comedy, they will be slagging off the Tories for a whole... You, the way you're looking back at me now suggests you might well be slagging off the Tories for a good 40 minutes or so. Half an hour, at most. At oh, most. Right, yeah. yeah. And okay, also, by fair. the way, I do get into the left as well. I do well, get into the left quite a bit, actually, particularly the Corbynista left because of the whole Jewish thing, which, you know, you'll see in the show. But I do talk about uh, the left as well and and, uh, and my general disillusion with the political system and the way that it's set up and the analogue nature of it as opposed to, you know, in our digital age. Well, we can you come and see the show and I will. But I do slay off the tourists. Well, I mean, the, the thing and is, I do... So, Jeff, right? Well, look, I've, I, I'll let you in on something. He's a couple of weeks ago, I had Matt Ford on, and he went off on one. I mean, properly, like, got into it with the Tories, and there were, there was some kickback from the what most people think faithful, uh, yeah. who weren't didn't feel that I challenged Matt enough. So, if you if you're saying anything, mate, if you're talking about, don't be surprised if I just go shut the fuck up, Stoney. That's bullshit. Leave leave him alone. Like if you mention the sewage. Without backing up what <laughs> Labour would do, or I don't think you should say backing up when talking about sewage. That is my feeling generally, <laughs> but I understand the point you're making. Yes, no, I've got, I've got, I've got an offer. Uh, I've got actually on that note. Actually, I've got to say so. So I knew that there would be pushback. I, I kind of knew, um, like as the podcast was being recorded, they would uh, ruffle some feathers. And I knew that I'd get a couple of bad reviews on um, Apple Podcasts, but there's one I've got. I never normally read out the one stars, but this one I thought was pretty funny. Uh, this was from a guy. I won't mention his name because he's entitled to give his opinion, but he said, um, I love Jeff right up until the Matt Ford interview. Now, I would say if you loved me, if you actually loved me right up until one fucking podcast, I don't think it was ever really love. No. I think it I think it was about control. It was a very toxic relationship. <laughs> Where, it's not so, like you haven't you haven't spoken to other people on you've spoken to me. Apparently, I'm not as left wing 
as Matt Ford, which is saying well, something. You 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 seem left less left wing with every passing year, it must be said. But the, the funny <laughs> thing is, is you, you know what you know what this game's like. So uh, to, earlier today, I was on uh, the um, Storm Huntley show on the sort of Jeremy Vine multiverse. I don't know. It's now got three separate shows that run, and I criticised Starmer. We will be talking about Kia in today's yeah. show. We'll also be talking about Boris's uh, well second jobs for MPs, but also, Boris is absolutely creaming it in. Um, you know, I don't somebody... like you calling him Boris, by the way, but you know what? We've had this discussion before. Oh, well, well we got good Mr. Johnson. That's it weird, was... isn't it? Well, Johnson would do. Johnson would do. But Mr. Johnson, if you must. But Boris, is just, it just, you understand my point that it makes all right, him all right. seem, anyway, that's just, it's your okay. podcast. You call it what you want. All right. So I was talking about Bozza, Bojo, uh, the, the ledge. And by the way, Mr. Johnson just sounds like what he'd call his cock. There you go. Union rules, not bad. Um, but I did a post about uh, my Edinburgh run, which will be starting from the 14th to the 27th. And um, somebody responded after the tour, after your comments about Starmer, I hope it completely bombs. What a disgrace you are. So it is that strange space that we're in when we're dealing in the world of opinions that you can literally simultaneously have. Some people think that you're a sort of Tory stooge and then a Labour splinter cell. I, I guess I would I would suggest that people feel slightly differently on different days. Is that is that okay to feel like well, that? Yes, and you have a range of listeners as well, which I think is quite uh, is quite nice, really. Yeah. I, I why, did, look, what I would say about Edinburgh is come and see me. If you're like a fan of Jeff, right? Come and see me yeah. first, and then Jeff can be like a corrective, like a like a sorbet. Yes, like a sorbet after the after the. I was going to say the main course of comedy. Well, that, that's a bit unfair, but you understand. Well, no, look, you are on four till five. I am on at five twenty, and we're both very near to each other. So that's completely completely reasonable. I would say that my my venue probably has a little bit more legroom and aircon because as as we were both discussing before, aircon. you go. All right, what's your legroom? Square inches. Come on. cards on the table. <laughs> but, I haven't measured it, but I will now, and let's see who has. Did you? I'll have to do come the back men on. in your room? Do the men in your room make noises when they stand up at the end? I mean, that is the key to it. <laughs> All the men in my room make noises because I've, I've get, I'm getting an older crowd. By the, mm. I'm, I mean, my basic motto is: if you can get up the stairs, you can come and see the show. Because, by the way, I'm doing the free fringe. You see, so I want people who've got cash. So students, I'm not really interested. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's be honest: the older audience member is the only one that can can afford stuff. Speaking of people who can afford stuff, uh, new patrons. So just a reminder of the benefits of being a patron. There are changes afoot with this podcast, but what we're going to be doing is whatever happens, we're going to be beefing up the offer to the patron. So you can join at three five. Or ten pounds. If you become a board member, which is that you voluntarily voluntarily up it to twenty quid, you get a signed book from me. I'll send that in the post to you. Any inscription you want, as long as it's not like racist or, or litigious. Uh, and then you also on tour. If you tell a member of staff that you are a member of the board, you'll be shown into my dressing room, and you can um, fillet me gently. Sorry, I mean just because I'm with you, Ian. I just felt like I had to make it. I don't know. I can can see you now in a dressing gown. Ah, another Patreon. (laughs) I just look at this one will be finished in a minute. (laughs) The I just looked in your face. I just felt like I had to do like a jongler style club gag. But those are the benefits of the Patreon. And if you join, guy anymore. By the way, I'm not. I'm I'm up here in Edinburgh now, mate. I'm not down doing these club gigs anymore. Not for a couple of months, anyway. No, no, no one's doing jonglers because it went bust. And the the. The VIP. So if you become a VIP, you get your shout out at the very top of the show. And another benefit of VIP is you get a guaranteed question on the monthly Patreon only episode. Uh, we got a VIP. But you still, B- but you still have to fillet Jeff. <laughs> you still, yeah, or or just send me a nice little video. Um, <laughs> the VIP we've got joining this week. I mean, God, we're only not really ten minutes in. I feel like we could be shedding listeners more than the Matt Ford episode at this point. Just with just crudity, Crud- crudity, and crudities. Well, they're completely different things. You wouldn't want crudity with your soup. They're both salty. <laughs> See, you do, you're doing this. I mean, you're looking at me like it's my fault, but it's not. That was a hat trick. That was a hat trick of gross jokes. I will, I will grow up now. Uh, the VIP Mark Aroundabout. People have stopped putting in their surname. So last week we had Ian Spam, I think, and now we've got Mark Aroundabout. So it makes it much harder to speculate because normally I'll take the people's names and I would speculate as to what job they do. So Mark. Around about, I would think. Oh, you don't. You don't. You're a copper. 
your old Bill. Mark Roundabout is old, old Bill. They're always paranoid about being outed, aren't they, old Bill? You in, in the what? Can you really? I mean, you know, yeah. relations with the public are not what they were. Not that they ever were. <laughs> think about yeah. That. It's not a new thing, is it, the public and the... I mean, we it, like so many, so much stuff because of social media. We're acting like it's this new phenomenon where the police and the public are offside. I remember the 80s. It happened then like, a bit. In the 70s, I used to have a poster on my wall of a of a, 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 a pig with a helmet, a policeman's helmet on. My mother said, my mother said to me, you can't have that on the wall. And I said, well, why not? She said, what if a policeman came round? I said, when's a policeman going to come round? And then my dad obviously sent, uh, uh, you know, uh, messages saying there was an unexploded package in the post office. Uh, he phoned them up and the police did come round, but they didn't come into my room. Otherwise they would have seen that poster. So is it that real? Oh, you know, you know, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I thought you'd read my book, Jeff. To be honest with you, but anyway, <laughs> first hundred pages, last twenty-five. That's the rule, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. My uh, my dad, my dad didn't want to go back to work one afternoon, and most people like phoned in sick. He phoned in a bomb scare, and uh, um, he got yeah, and the whole thirty thousand people at Mount Pleasant in Kings Cross had to leave while they looked for a suspect package in a sorting office. And um, and when I asked him a couple of years yeah. ago, I said I can't because he got done for it. He got a six months suspended sentence. And um, when I asked him, I said, I can't believe you got caught the first time you did it. He went, oh, it wasn't the first time. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. I wasn't the only one either. So, yeah. But there was a little a, a little community of hoaxers. Yeah, uh, Arsenal fans. A lot, of people t- a lot of people used to do it on a Saturday afternoon about two and then head off down to Highbury. If you had issues with postal deliveries in the late 70s, I can only apologise. Well, I mean, what's wrong with just saying that you got the shit? I mean, if you want, if you want a day off work. That is, it did seem an extreme to go to. I would say that's true. He used to do it in a Northern Irish accent, he told me. And I said, can you do the accent now? He went, no, and he wouldn't do it for me. <laughs> I will not do that accent for you. <laughs> no, um... he said. <laughs> Ultra says no. Domain talking point. Now, oh, yeah. um, so David Domain, who is our sort of uh, oracle of the podcast, the super patron, he uh, he said that Matt Ford kept talking about sewage being pumped into rivers, right? This is caused by sewers, often Victorian-era ones, being able to cope with volume. So I guess, yeah, the amount of people that live here has gone up exponentially. So pe- there's one thing that more people create is more effluence. Um, so it's pumped into rivers, backing up into people's homes. I would have asked Matt Ford what Labour would have done about the sewage problems, given that Labour won't nationalise the water companies. Well, I suppose it is an interesting question. The sewage thing has been a good stick to beat the government with, hasn't it? Because there was a sort of wrecking amendment, I think tabled by the Lib Dems, where it basically suggested something that would have immediately caused sewage on the streets rather than in the rivers and the sea. But the fact that the Tories then voted the amendment down uh, the Labour and the Lib Dems were able to say the Tories have voted for shit in the sea, um, essentially. Is it is it fair? Is it accurate? Does it even matter at this point? Uh, if does it's it, a good... Poli- does it even matter? Well, it matters that there's shit in pretty much... Ev- isn't every beach, essentially... Didn't 57 triathletes all end up sick because they swam in the sea and swallowed this effluent. I mean, it, it is disgusting, isn't it, Jeff, to be fair? It's and rain, I mean, yeah. And, I mean, you know, it, it, they're all saying to us, well, we've got to be we, – maybe we shouldn't take so many foreign holidays. Not that you give a shit. Obviously, you're off to Croatia or wherever. But, you know, most people with some sort of social conscience think, you know what, maybe I'll stay stay in Britain. And But then you go and – you know, we went to – where did we go the other week? Wittering down – where, and we had to check a little map to see if effluent had been uh, poured into this particular bit of the coast. And it hadn't, mm. and we had a nice swim, but we never used to have to do that. We never... I remember <laughs> Damien Green. Damien Green, do you see Damien Green on the telly? I think a few months ago saying, I remember swimming in shit and it didn't do me any harm. Mm. <laughs> I thought, well, you're on telly saying you swam in shit. I would suggest that did do you some harm, mate. I mean, really. I mean, I suppose that the, the sewage thing, it has been very successful. I mean, if you if you connect somebody or something with an appalling idea, like one of the most rank thing, one of the most rank things that anybody could think about is swimming in the sea and just bumping into a shit, right? Yeah. So if you can connect that feeling with the government, that's a very successful political tactic. I mean, the, the, the issue with social media and the left is that there is still a dominance on there. If you look at Twitter, I think it's mad that any left-wing person would ever leave Twitter because it still skews 
heavily left. But the reaction to things have actually made it impossible for the Tories to be Tory. I don't know if you saw this week, there was a, a minister or, or junior minister called Mel Stride that basically said, I think it was Mel Stride, that said that the over 50 should basically get on their bikes. It was yes. sort of like a re- rehash of the Norman Tebbit thing. And he said, you know, he said they should go back to work. Now, obviously, these things always get reacted to like, this is disgusting. How dare he? How insensitive. And that's the problem is that he's a Tory. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to say, get yourself on your bike, go back to work. But over 50s, though, Jeff, I mean, we should be relaxing at this point, surely, which is why I came to the Edinburgh Fringe, because it's, it's so incredibly relaxing here. Is this but... the new saga holidays you just said? <laughs> have we got a coach? Have we got a coach? There was 48 of us, and we all part, and we're doing our shows around the uh, Fringe. Um uh, yeah, it, yeah, of course. That's exactly. I do love the name Mel Stride, by the way. Uh, it's mm. a great name, don't you think? It is. It's, it, it's, it, Melvin, it's... I guess you wouldn't want to call yourself Melvin. Yeah, he did say that. And because um, a lot of over 50s are basically just since the pandemic going, I don't want to go back to work. And they don't, yeah. they don't have to do Because you're fucking minted. That's why you're leeching <laughs> off us. Scrounges, mate. Sorry, us. Did you say? <laughs> us uns. Yeah, says he coming up 47. I mean, the, the, the thing is, is that. You know, those are sentiments which play out very badly on social media. Like, say you go on social media and you you would say perhaps, for example, people on benefits should, you know, try and cook more, more cheaply. You know, just it's things that aren't controversial in the real world. But the problem is social media, that very quickly becomes, he's saying that poor people are feckless fuckwits. And, and, and that has been a problem. So what you now get is a sort of emasculated Tory party that whenever they go in front of the camera... They're very scared to say any of the stuff that they really believe. You know, they might yeah. say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But they first up, they've got a caveat that by saying, of course, you know, bootstraps have become infinitely more expensive and not everyone has the physical strength to indeed pull their bootstraps up. So it, it's just it's really hard for the conservatives to be conservative. Yeah, well, not that I have any fucking sympathy whatsoever for that, but, you know, fair play. I think it's good that you're not as conservative as you might be. But, (laughs) (laughs) and another thing about shit in the rivers, but, um, no, I actually think social media is good for the conservatives because while the Labour left or the Labour Party generally are arguing away on social media um, and saying how disgusting things are, the tourists are just getting on and doing whatever they do. I think social media has been way worse for the left than it has for the right. I think, yeah, it certainly polarised certain debates. I mean, one of, one of the things, I guess, having come back from another it's, country... Sorry, Jeff, sorry. It's mm. not just about polarising things. It's also about the fact that when you're on social media and you say something worthy and 100,000 people go, you're right, Ian, you're absolutely right. How can they do these evil things? And we all feel better about ourselves, but they go and do them anyway because they couldn't give a shit. I think that is the problem for the left. Mm. Well, 100,000 people, I've often said this, the average size of a constituency is about 150,000. So if you have a tweet that gets 150,000 likes, people would often think, well, that is what the country thinks. That's a huge number. It's still one constituency out of 650. And I think that what's weird about social media is the left, they do understand the echo chamber element of it. But they sort of, it's really, yeah, they like it. It's really inconvenient, isn't it? Because you strategically, this world agrees with me more. I mean, if you look at a celebrity, right? So if a celebrity, someone incredibly famous like James Blunt just said, you know what? Fuck the Tories. We're talking 200,000 likes, aren't we? We are. We are. Just for that. There are 40 million voters, aren't there? So Mm. actually a tiny percentage. And even of those 200,000 likes, some of them probably thinks, yeah, there might be tourists going, yeah, that's a laugh. Anyway, (laughs) so I, I just don't think it's helpful. That's my feeling about it. But we do find it comforting. We do. I like to be comforted once in a while by people who agree with me. I I do remember, and I I mentioned this uh, in in my first book. That's not... (laughs) What nice, a wanker. Nice. I mean, I have to get Who the plugs in. Oh, I know, I know. Second book coming out in the middle of September. But the um, one of the things I mentioned in that book was when there was a, a brief period when um, in the 2019 election uh, where the, people were starting to say, I think it could happen, you know, Labour could win. And a lot of this, I, one of the tweets I saw that was one of the, the most sort of uh, so, had the most traction was somebody saying, just drove past a, um, a polling station in Shoreditch and it was looking pretty busy. I think it's going to happen or it's on. I thought if any place is not representative of the country, it's a fucking polling station in Shoreditch, is it? I'm, I, I, I got to be honest, I, I only read the first 100 pages in the last 25, so <laughs> I must have been in the middle of that one. 
Okay, we're going to do a quick thank you and a fuck you. I'll handle the thank you. I've got to say thank you to Stuart Broad. So Monday of this week, oh. I was still on holiday, or last week rather, and um, I, it was one of those awful things where I'm with my family and I should be focused on that, but this test match was coming to a conclusion and I was getting stressed. And I, I, I just I was, I mean, I was literally not present at the meal, meal we were at. And then I did another check and I saw that two, Stuart Broad had taken the two wickets needed for England to, to square the series. And obviously that was his retirement. And I'm going to tell you what, Stoney, I went to the toilet and I wept a grown man in a Croatian toilet <laughs> weeping, weeping at the perfection of the whole great. damn thing. It was, it was a beautiful moment. I went on day four. I went to uh, the Oval on day, but I got, I, I mean, it was the worst a, a, day. <laughs> the worst day. I just watched uh, Kawaja and was it Lavashane just yeah. knocking the ball about. Um, you saw Stuart Broad rain. six. Yes, uh, no, I missed that. I got there slightly late. <laughs> oh, I mean, I missed really the only good bits. Stuart Broad coming out with Jimmy Anderson, but it was still it was a lovely day. And then the next day, obviously, uh, it was absolutely marvelous. And um, just another example of why Test cricket is—I um, was going to say the greatest, but it is the second greatest game in the world. Because you know, come I'm, on, you—you you must know that the narrative of Test. All right, football in those moments of like a a balloon bursting with euphoria. A few things can beat it, but nothing, the way that... Nothing can beat it, Jeff. Nothing at all. But, I told but, but, you, last Arsenal last season was the nearest I've come to a religious experience, all right? I mean, it genuinely was. So how would you describe the, the last bit then? What, what happened there? That was... <laughs> <laughs> well, is there a religious experience where you're just going up to heaven then right at the last minute you fuck it yeah <laughs> I mean I take your point I absolutely take your point I have been talking about it in the show and saying it was actually a better it was actually better than a religious experience because uh, you know Arsenal fans had fans of other teams come up to us and say oh I love I love the Arsenal I love your young players I hope you win the title but I, I've never had Christians or Muslims come up to me and say, oh, I love, I love what the Jews are doing, right? Love it. You've got some great young rabbinical talent coming through. But, <laughs> but I do, I agree with you about the cricket. It was absolutely wonderful. And there's nothing else. I I, I do actually feel sorry for people who don't like cricket, who don't like test cricket yeah. because of that, yeah. that, that ebbs and flow. You don't get that in any other sport. It is true. P- pity be upon them. Okay, a fuck you. What's your fuck you? Uh, well, I, it is football related. It's the, the fact that they kicked off the charity shield or the community shield now, as it's called. Because I don't know yeah. why charity is not as much in vogue <laughs> as it used to be. The community shield uh, while I was on stage, while I was on stage. So we finally beat Man City and I'm having to, you know, do the bucket speech at that time. So I managed to get out just in time for the... Um, can I just explain the bucket speech? Because a lot of people have no idea what that is. They'll just uh, they'll be googling bucket speech. Like it, it's oh. a thing at the end of when you do the free fringe. It's the point at the end where everyone thought, well, this was really good value for nothing, and then you go, actually, I'm really good at comedy. Give me a roughly a tenner. Essentially, what I say to them that this is the the uh, the awkward moment in the show where a Jewish comedian asks a predominantly Scottish audience for money. Okay, and <laughs> and it's it's like a standoff, like uh, for a few dollars more. Let's see who will yeah. blink first. We've been there for an hour and a half in the past. <laughs> haven't let them out, but that's the bucket speech. And obviously, the funnier you make it. And the more part of the show you make it. So when I was doing that, and obviously um, uh, the community shield is on, and we're finally beating Man City. And so it's a fuck you to the uh, FA or whoever staged it at four o'clock in the afternoon. I, th- I think most people will just come out of that astonished that literally anybody gives a fuck about the community shield. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a fair point. <laughs> All right. Let's get to again. Let's get into talking about the politics. <laughs> Right. So, I mean, I was speaking about this on the Jeremy Vine thing earlier. I think it was it's interesting is that the 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 earnings from second jobs have been published and it was around about I think it's gone up a lot. So it's around about 11 million. You go, Jesus Christ, it's gone up exponentially. And then it does turn out that about 4.8 million of that is is Boris Johnson. I mean, literally, it's almost it's almost all him. And I think that it's the kind of thing that's going to really bother people, right? Because one, I think the public just don't like the idea of MPs earning any money at all. I mean, I was trying to say earlier that quite simply, um, if you're going to ban second jobs, you've got to pay MPs a quarter of a million pounds, but there's just no bandwidth for that whatsoever. What the public probably think 
is that they shouldn't do second jobs and they should probably get a pay cut. <laughs> now that is, I think, I think you're right. That's the problem with that is you have to work a lot to become an MP. And then the problem is, like, say for example, I don't know you work for fucking like Matt Hancock, and then some guy squeezing someone's ass, you know, on CCTV, and your job's in jeopardy. You could work for like ten years to be an MP, and then you there could be a snap election one year into you winning your seat. So I, I just I just wonder, are we are we sort? Is it slightly the politics of envy? That means that we resent any MPs earning extra money, let alone Boris. Well, this whole this all started. I think the mistrust of MPs started with the expenses, whenever mm. that was, twenty years ago or what have you. But the reason mm. the expenses happened, I think, is because Margaret Thatcher back in the day felt that she couldn't give MPs the sort of pay rise that she and they felt they deserved. So she essentially said to them. Just put it on the expenses, all right? And we'll wave it through. I don't care if it's a duck house or whatever else you want to just yeah. put it on the expenses. And that was fine for a while, but then obviously it all came out and people were outraged. Um, it is an unpopular opinion, uh, but I happen to share it. I think MPs probably should be paid more and just do that job. But as you say, no one, no, mm. they, they wouldn't, they couldn't be brazen enough to go, we're giving ourselves a 50% pay rise because we deserve it and we won't do second jobs. How do you feel about that? Because there would be, I'm about rioting, but people would be yeah. really, really upset. Oh, no, no, it could it could, it could, could really be like the tinderbox. I mean, it's part of the resentment on the left here is that none of the Labour politicians ever seem to get offered half as much money to do stuff. I mean, if you, if you look at the people earning money, <laughs> I mean, fucking Gavin Williamson is getting paid like a, a big chunk of money. And for, he deserves everything he could ev- possibly Lord earn. Williamson and, and all that he did for education. <laughs> Thank God he's somebody's finally acknowledged. Acknowledging it. I mean, Liz Truss gets a fair bit on the after dinner speech circuit. I'd imagine wow. the speeches on the are on the brief side. I'd imagine. I don't know, you know. It. I bet I bet it's quite exciting. Now she's been released mm. from having to, you know, help save the economy. <laughs> she, she's probably <laughs> they're probably pretty out there, to be honest. I imagine I, if I was like, her, I'd have to just own it, be ironic about it, and go, I, like, I'm only gonna be here briefly, like I was Prime Minister, and then yeah. I'm literally quasi quarting doing the, the, the rim shot on the drums. He didn't put him on the honours list, did she? I mean, <laughs> I, mean I mean, even she some... wasn't brazen. It. Wasn't it found out that she put what she put four people on the honours list for every day she was in power, or, or something ridiculous? I think like it was that. one person for every four days. I think it was one sixteen. For... I think it was sixteen people or something, and she was there mm. forty-four days or something. I mean, I had COVID for longer than that. You know. <laughs> I did, um, and it was less painful than uh, than Liz Truss being prime minister. I I, I think this whole thing. Sorry, I've got to put back up, push back on that. I'm just remembering. no, it wasn't. There you go. I'm just covering the bases. Happy here. now, whoever you are, people <laughs> yeah. who don't like Matt Ford. <laughs> no, the guy that doesn't love me anymore. I oh, bet right. he's, st- he's, he's still listening. You oh, know wait. he is. You have no idea how painful COVID was for me, to be honest. So uh, you can't even really push back on that. I think that was anyway. Well, you're you're um, still here. So yeah, yeah. No, I, I made it. I did. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I. It does. It doesn't feel right for MPs to have second jobs. It doesn't, because you go, shouldn't you be doing your job? Mm. But on the other hand, you do stand-up, you do a podcast, you've written a number of books now, you're touring. Mm. You know, I do an Arsenal podcast, I do a TV show on BT Sport, or TNT as it is now. I mean, we all, I think I've got about four jobs, uh, but, Mm. but I'm not paid by the public. Maybe that's the difference. Yes, that is my. I mean, there is this argument about private expertise because a lot of people seem pretty happy with the fact that Dido Harding was able to get in there. Was it who was the one that went in there and, and got secured all the vaccine contracts? So Michelle Moan, yeah. Michelle Moan, the uh, no, no, she's she, no one's no, she's she she well, she's the one that a lot of people have alleged corruption. There was it was Lady one Lonsere. of the Kate Bingham. That's the one. Kate Bingham. Uh, she had the contacts. Oh, she yeah, did we, great. We had fucking vaccines coming out of our ears. I mean, not that obviously some people dispute whether or not that was a, that was a good thing. Uh, I think that was just during the tests. I think vaccines were seeping out of people's ears. But but I think you know, I, I do think that you know I I don't mind people knowing more than just being in the House of Commons. I suppose it comes down to a minimum service. Do you do your MP surgeries right, which are important? 
Um, and and are you turning up to the commons? It is kind of fucking astonishing that people could just not turn up. I mean, what are the basic Doris? Nadine Doris hasn't yeah. been. She hasn't been to to where is it? Tring or Berkhampstead or wherever she's the MP. South Bedfordshire. Jeffrey yeah. Cox. Jeffrey Cox has been on the Cox. beach in the. But see, this is where probably I'm different. Is when they said he earned six million quid sitting on the beach in the Caymans. I was like, fucking legend. Like, how's he pulled that off? <laughs> yes. Uh, whereas nobody I know said that even though they might think it they wouldn't say it this is the only difference between us you just voice these things i think it literally is and also when people again this is how those stories are portrayed they become popular conscience very quickly that he earned that money sitting on a beach in the caymans he literally didn't earn the money sitting on a beach but that just like the sewage that's the most evocative emotive way to portray it there was no sewage on that beach. I'll tell you that. There None is after Je- Jeffrey Cox has been there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that fat shaming? Sorry, I love the guy's voice. He should be the next you Mufasa. And, you and Lizzo. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> you are the Lizzo of the comedy world. Outrageous. Oh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if people heard about this. It was, um, so Lizzo, the singer, I'm going to say it's relevant that she is a black woman in the music recording industry because she was accused of... Racism. I'm not even sure who, which race she was racist against. I didn't against. hear that. I didn't hear that. I heard body shaming, though, is what I heard. She's body shaming people. I don't know if you've seen Lizzo, but it's kind of, you know, there's an element of pots and kettles um, in there. She was also accused of um, being at a sex show in Amsterdam and making one of her mates touch a, a, a bare breast. I, We've all done that, Stoney, haven't we? Not with Lizzo. I will say. No. Not, <laughs> not when Lizzo's been in there. Um, yeah. I am... Um, I do you know I've never been to a sex show. Did I not tell you when I was um when when one of my kids was about six months old and we were in Amsterdam? I did a gig. We took the family over and he was asleep on my shoulder and we were wandering through the red light district during the day. Mm. And this man said to me, "Hello, sir. Live sex show." <laughs> no, and I said, "Have you got a crash?" <laughs> people around us all heard it and thought it was very funny. Well, it is very funny. And also, they're leaving money on the table. They absolutely should have a fucking crash. Yeah, yeah. Just, you and just also, stay the there. One... you stay there, son, play with the toys. Well, don't play with them, obviously. <laughs> and then, a, <laughs> and then a, a woman comes out with a whip. You're like, I bet she runs a tight ship. <laughs> they're okay. strict in there, aren't they? Yeah, go on. Uh, if, if you pay extra. What most people think. The, we're going to talk about Keir, Keir Starmer now, and this isn't just because, obviously, I've been told off by various podcast listeners, but I thought there was an interesting article by Trevor Kavanagh in The Sun where it really felt like the Starmer chameleon thing, shape-shifting Keir, you know, sitting on the fence. All the, well, he's not sitting on the fence anymore. There was a week last week where I think he U-turned on about three things in a week. And then at the start of this week, uh, he's he's tried to talk tough on Just Stop Oil because he's worried that the Tories are going to peg him to the idea of being anti-motorist and being on side with Just Stop Oil. And I think he called them contemptible. He called the Just Stop Oil, con- their aims are contemptible. And I just wonder, you know, like this, it's, we spoke about this variously on the podcast for a while. There's a hell of a lot of evidence to this idea that the man just doesn't have a, a principle that you can you can hang your hat on. And I wonder, as a kind of centre-left guy, I'd imagine Starmer, as well as being an Arsenal fan, are you starting to get a little bit concerned? Not starting. I've been concerned for a while, actually. I mean, I, I sort of, I'll be honest with you, I, I quite liked it when he pissed off the left. Right, I did because I was sort of a. It annoyed me what happened with Corbynism, and obviously there was the Jew thing as well. I am a Jew. I'm not just the Jew thing. The Jew thing, but you know there was that. (laughs) So when he essentially said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, course, course, you can all come on board, and we'll all be a big Labour family," and then essentially fucked them over, I thought, "Good, I don't care. I, I don't want to listen to you people for the moment. I just want someone who's electable," and I was happy to go along with that. But I think there is something in, it is very hard to pin him down to a single thing that he believes. I mean, I've been saying in the show that he can't just trade on his sheer animal magnetism forever, right? I mean, it's just, (laughs) you know, turn it down a notch, Keir. Can't. But the truth is, that's the only, because of his lack of what seems lack of principle, I can't, I don't, that's the only joke I've got about him. 
because I sort of feel like it's writing, it's like trying to write a joke about a cheese sandwich. It's like, you know, it's just nothing much to him. Um, I, I, I am a little bit worried. I'm hoping that uh, it will be enough that he's not uh, Rishi Sunak to get him elected. But I, 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 you know, at the moment they've got a massive lead. And, and I've heard Alistair Campbell talking about him and say, it's no small thing to have turned the Labour Party around from where they were in 2019 to where they are now. And I True. think that is a fair point. But, but, but by doing but doing what? I mean, all that's happened is, is the Tories have basically machined their own legs off on a you know, machine gun in their own selves on a daily basis. So he's sort of, he's inherited something rather than created it. I do think that the work that he's done in terms of saying, look, we're not that anymore. It's not just with Corbynism, but to an extent what was happening under Miliband. So he's done some work there, yeah. but I'd say the vast majority of the lead they've got, particularly is because of that chaotic period last year where there were, and let's not forget, three prime ministers in about four months. That is fucking like, that. don't forget how extreme that was and how, and that did, that did, whatever you, you know, whatever you think about you know digging out the Tories excessively that did make us look fairly chaotic uh, on the world stage. One thing I do think is worth saying is that people talked about you know people like Alistair Campbell will talk about how unedifying it was to have Boris Johnson versus uh, Jeremy Corbyn and it was like in a lot of in a lot of ways. But you know Sunak versus Starmer on the face of it there's nothing obviously distasteful about them as people. But there is something unedifying about firstly Sunak looking for a grift he's like a, he's like a comic at the edinburgh fringe looking what like what's my usp you know what's the thing i can own and he's like well oh i love the cars i'm, I'm all about the fucking cars let's let's, let's let's fly somewhere and and then you know on the other hand starmer there is something unedified about somebody just gleefully sort of pawning all the family silverware in terms of principles. So yeah. you, I just think it's just another kind of unedifying but but in a way the kind of grown-ups in the room would never see it that way no, I, 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 I mean, as far as Sunak is concerned, I sort of, I've never seen a bloke who looks awkward in basically any situation. <laughs> I mean, he, he just there's nowhere where he looks particularly comfortable. Whether he's talking about high finance to a homeless person while handing him an egg on egg on toast or something, or serving a pint of beer uh, or whatever he does. Mm. What was the thing he did? Some sort of spin class the other day, didn't he? When they thought Taylor Swift was turning up and it was mm. Rishi Sunak. He's he's not really what a bonus. Comfortable- He's not really a comfortable guy unless he's got, he seems, I suppose he's a nerd in that sense. He's a super nerd. I don't have a problem with nerds, but I genuinely have a problem with the party he's leading. And and so right now, I'm prepared to give Sir Keir Starmer a fair bit of leeway. And I do have arguments with people. I had somebody in the show the other day and I, and it, from the Labour left, and I said, mm. Keir Starmer, and she went, you mean kid starver, right? And I went, what? whoa. And I said, she said, well, the two, the universal credit, only the two children thing. And I thought, I know what's going on. He's basically said he doesn't want to make any policy commitments at all because you mm. get suddenly you're in for 10 billion quid. It's a bit like going to Edinburgh. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> yeah, I'll have PR. Yeah, of course I will. I'll have posters everywhere. Of course I will. And he doesn't want to get into that. But it is starting to look a bit worrying because, you you know, I mean, I remember Alan Parker, Urban Warrior. I don't know if you even were around when he was doing his stuff, Simon Munnery. And he goes, you know, people marching against racism, marching against fascism. What are you for? That's what he used to say. What are you for? Mm. Marching. That's what you're for. And I used to (laughs) love that joke. But I feel a little bit like that about Keir Starmer. Okay, just a quick hype. Obviously, Ian is up at the fringe as we speak for the whole month. Just remind us of the show and the venue. Ian Stone will make it better. It is at the Counting House on West Nicholson Street, right in the centre of town, next to Bristow Square. And I'm on at four o'clock every day, and it's the free fringe. So and if he doesn't make if he doesn't make it better, you can take money out of his bucket. Bucket. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to cut that bit, right? You're going to cut that bit, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you go near my bucket, I will have your hands. Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, we're going to welcome some some other patrons. Remember, anybody that joins the Patreon, you will get your shout out. I just want to say thanks to Rob York. So we're near the beginning of the month. So Patreon just routinely boot out some people that have been patrons for a while and they have to go through the process of, of, of re-signing up. So thank you for doing that. If you have stopped seeing messages from me, there are regular ones. So probably is the case that Patreon have booted you out. So just check your account and make sure it is still up to date. We've got Clunker Bearist, who is another person who's making it impossible for me to take the piss out of their name. Clunker Bearist. I mean, I suppose... Ex-Army. Is a, Ex-Army. Or it could... I mean, Clunker Bearist could be Swedish. <laughs> Estonian. Um, we got martin cooper and martin when you signed up you signed up using your email address name so i just you might want to check that i mean martin cooper if i was if i was doing a sitcom and there was a traveling pen salesman that'd be the name i would choose for them estate agent i would say but you know Mark, yeah, but not not he's not funky enough with a name like that to work at a Foxton's. We're talking about no, no. It's his own. It's his own personal estate agency in a in a small town, Cheltenham he, or somewhere. Yeah, maybe like he's got three branches, not somewhere as nice as Cheltenham either. Gloucester. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Gloucester Tiberton. and Worcester. Yeah, because I've got no <laughs> tour shows in either of those places. So fuck them. Um, <laughs> And we've got Wilbur. Wilbur, uh, just Wilbur. He's a one-namer. So when it's a one-namer, we just presume that he's working in a, a woke, inverted commas, uh, establishment. Well, where would be? And he can't. I mean, woke. Do, do, you get, do you get annoyed with that word now? I, I, I'd rather not hear it, if I'm totally honest with you. I mean, I see wokeness. Obviously, I'm at the Edinburgh Festival, for fuck's <laughs> sake. There is, there is a, a big sign saying, welcome to Wokeland. Is he coming to Waverley? But... <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, I, I don't care. Mostly. I mean, it has, in a way, it's a shame because it had a meaning as a word. I think, you know, any any form of, like, fast-paced liberalism that tends to run ahead of where most of society's at has always had a word, whether it's been social justice or, or political correctness. But when you've had some people that just say woke is just any film that they didn't like, um, I, I do think it's a lot lost a bit, bit of its potency. And, um, yeah, I think Welcome to Wokeland. Uh, is, is that your next year's title for your Edinburgh show? <laughs> it's actually not a bad title, to be honest. Uh, I, I, although I was also thinking of lots of lols, no lols. <laughs> but maybe welcome, maybe welcome to Wokeland would be better. You got to see the kids have moved on from lols. You got to be, it's got to be okay. fire. Just go for a fire emoji. How That's do you it. know what the kids are doing? You're I don't fucking know. I don't know. Okay, we're going to do a bit of chat because as we're talking about sport on the day that the Lionesses uh, won on penalties Lovely. against Nigeria, yeah, they didn't play well, did they? And oh. I think the equality is that we just slag off their performance now for ten minutes, and it doesn't feel sexist. I mean, oh, oh, sorry. So there's two men discussing what exactly about the lionesses? The lioness. Well, you know, who's your favourite? Who's the best look? <laughs> no, of course not. Of course, I'm not going to say Stop that. It. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. But the lionesses. The well, do you remember? Like after a couple of years ago, they were saying that it's actually a bit sexist to call them the lionesses. I thought lionesses is perfect because lionesses, as we know in the wild, do all the work, yeah. and lions basically sit there lay about. And just lay about and hang about for the big game. So that was an example of wokery gone mad, Stoney, with the woke mind virus. Um, but I think I, I got asked earlier, I thought it was it was interesting, was is, is, women, is men's football better than women's football? Which is like a classic hoary line, you know, like... Really? If, yes, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 I caveated it. What I said was, right, check out how I, I sort of fudged it. I said, look, you know, if... Entertaining sport at the highest end is about things being done at pace and agility. Then I guess the biology will always be a factor, which is a really pussy out way of saying yes. I mean, pound for pound, I would prefer to watch men's sport. But I, I don't know about you. I feel like women's sport has been on the up dramatically, right? You know, we obviously with the Lionesses winning the Euros. I don't feel like this tournament has yet caught the interest in the same way. And I don't know if that's because it's it's on the other side of the world or I mean, England haven't. Partly timing, you know, mm. it's games at half nine in the morning. It's hard. I remember the World Cup in Japan. It was hard. Obviously, you're into it, but it's hard to get too angry at seven thirty in the morning. Really, you've got to get a bit angry, haven't you? Well, I think you do. So I think it's partly that. Um, 
I haven't watched a lot myself, and I do like my football. I've watched. I I I've seen quite a lot of Arsenal ladies this year. I went to the game at um at the Emirates when they played Wolfsburg, and they were starting the Champions League. There were sixty thousand people there, and I went, and it was a brilliant atmosphere. And when Wolfsburg scored the winning goal with a minute to go, let me tell you, the silence in that stadium told me these are real fans. These are people who care deeply. Mm. But uh, you talked about bandwidth earlier in terms of MPs' pay. It is also about bandwidth, about how much sport and how much football one can watch. I watch a lot of Arsenal football. I watch a lot of the football generally. And I, you've only got so much bandwidth. I keep an eye on it, but mm. I, I haven't really had enough bandwidth for this uh, for this World Cup. But I'll watch a bit of it now because it's the knockouts and it's always interesting. Well, it will be interesting. But one thing I find, uh, I get in debates and I do these kind of panel newsy chats and I'll often be on for whatever reason with two two fe- a female host and a female panellist. And they'll often, or you, you, as you'd expect, they're very positive about the Lionesses. You get the sense that you're probably, I always get the sense I'm probably more likely to have seen the game than them. And they, there is this funny thing with blokes where even the blokes that slag off women's football, they're way more likely to watch it than most, than most of the feminists that I know. Right. Well, I mean, so you have been watching some of this World Cup, right? You have been yeah, watching Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, is there a thing about equal pay? I mean, I mean, I know there's been arguments about equal pay with these sort of things. And I, and I, surely it's about how much the revenue it generates, isn't it? Yeah, well, that is, I, I think it's a real problem when you just say, if you want to if you want to award somebody equal pay when it doesn't generate that revenue, I think that seems patronising. So I do think that that's going to take time. I think the one area where I think it's hilarious is, you know, in the tennis, Wimbledon tennis, you know, the men and the women get the same prize they money. They do get the same prize money. How much do you reckon the male players bitch about that on WhatsApp groups? Because <laughs> they're not going to say it in public. But when they're doing five setters that go to four hours, I mean, the women's game, that's one of my problems with the women's tennis, is they go, oh, it's going to a third set. And you're going, but it's still over really quickly. I think that their union rep, the union rep in women's tennis must be like the fucking tennis version of Mick Lynch. Bob Crow, Mick Lynch, yeah, that level, definitely. (laughs) Beer and sandwiches. I mean, you know, with true equality, surely with the Lionesses, true equality is when we see it kicking off at, like, crowd trouble. At the women's games. <laughs> Is that what you want? It's not a proper game until there's some just some like tragedy chanting about some appalling disaster <laughs> that happened to a women's <laughs> team 20 years ago. I mean, look, I've seen a fair bit of women's football and I like watching it. Um, and I and I'm I'm all for it. I think it's amazing. But in terms of the revenue for the club games, which is what we're talking about, the Lioness is mm. the England games. You know, if 22 million people are watching them, they're great, but they're not getting paid. That's not their day job. Their day job is mm. playing in front of of much smaller crowds than what's the men's game. So the re- and also they would get much less TV audience, I imagine, on 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 uh, on satellite TV. And I think that's just about revenue generated, really. The tennis yeah, yeah. is different. The tennis is on the, the women's tennis is on the same platforms as the men's tennis, and people watch it just as much. I understand the games don't last as long, but uh, you know that. Yeah, an epic, point. an epic three setter. They go, oh, we've been on, we've been on court nearly an hour and twenty minutes for this epic seesaw <laughs> encounter. I, I would guarantee if there's one WhatsApp group, I would love to have uh, uh, privileged access to it. Be male tennis players. I bet you any money they're just going they'll just be sending each other screenshots of how long the women were on court or an hour and seven same money (laughs) okay we just got a letter here this is from a patron this is from paul millam here remember if you join through patreon you have a direct way of messaging me as i say no dick pics is all i say everything else is in play um jeff Simple and quick. So, by the way, uh, Paul is a board member level patron. So every so often I reach out to the board members for questions for the main podcast. A quick, simple and half serious question that might lead to a discussion, given Ian's politics. Is Carol Vorderman okay? (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting question, because I remember her being on Question Time a few years ago. But I like how she's been pushing things lately. And, And we were talking about old lady lingerie and Michelle Moan. And she's been pushing that one pretty hard amongst other things. I think she is okay. Actually. I, I agree with quite a lot of what she's been saying lately. What You're not you so mean? right. And maybe there's a rub. You think she's okay because yes, fucking Tories. But I, I, I think, I think it's interesting that there are some public figures that they reach a point where things are a bit quieter on the old work front. And then they're used to the, the oh, kind cynical. of, 
Yeah, well, I just I think that I mean this is you know this is the guy that came out and and admitted the vote conservative and undoubtedly got traction because of that. So I'm aware I'm aware of that, right? <laughs> but it, it does seem that there are a lot of these accounts, and it's not just Carol, where they just sort of just wake up and they just tweet fuck the government or fuck this or fuck Mac. <laughs> and I guess it just pisses me off. Is that you? It's not hard. Uh, if you're already in the public eye, to get a lot a lot of traction there, That's I guess true. maybe this is an indirect way of me moaning about the fact that I haven't been getting getting that many likes on my tweets recently. Maybe yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, because you're not saying things that Carol Vorderman is saying. Maybe you should be. A bit, we all need to be a bit more Vorderman. <laughs> I mean, Lady Lingerie, by the way, is just such a cool name. That doesn't that doesn't make her worse to me. I, that doesn't put me off Michelle Mine. I have to say. <laughs> Do you know with yeah. Michelle Moan as well? The the funny thing was was that when when that scandal first broke, the tabloids couldn't help themselves, so they were still sort of talking about her in the way that you would talk about like almost the glamour model. So they were saying the attractive heiress, the Michelle yeah. Moan, the Lord, you know, thirty six, twenty four, thirty six. <laughs> well, it's also because it's lingerie, isn't it? As well, it's all of that stuff. But yeah, I, so- I, 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 I'd imagine if I mean Carol Vorderman has been having a go at her, and that is something. I, I can't believe anyone doesn't get behind what Carol Waterman has been saying about her. I mean, I'm... I'm but what's I'm, she been found guilty of, Michelle Moe? It's not about being... Hang on a minute. You about to say it's not about being guilty? No, I'm not... I didn't... I wasn't about to say that. I was going to say that two weeks after her and her husband set up this business, she was mm. given £203 million, as I understand mm. it, of PPE contracts. Now... We've all started small businesses when we were younger, right? And it's nice to get a little boost, isn't it? Yes, you know, when yeah. When you first start, just to get you over the hump bit of, of the bit first of startup money. Yeah, exactly that, right? <laughs> so, so obviously, it's always helpful. But every time I see a picture of her, I'm glad. What? Who were the people who did it? They painted something on um, pandemic piracy or something like that on the side of mm. a yacht. Good, good. And I and, sorry, and, that is someone's yacht. That is that's too far, man. Private Just, property. That is probably, you know, look, I yeah, fine, do your protest, but the moment that you're defacing a billionaire's yacht, I think, come on, man, what have you become? I mean, I mean, on a more serious note with Rishi Sunak with the drapes over his house, I was thinking that, you know, because he's away in the States and, yes. and, and Greenpeace, who in fairness to them, must have been really fucked off over the last few years as Just Stop Oil and Insulate Britain have got loads of traction. They must have been thinking, we used to get shot at by the fucking French military. You pricks yeah. are just throwing orange paint at stuff. You know, so they've gone, right, we're going to do a stunt. We're going to do a big one. So they basically invaded or, or certainly commandeered the exterior of Rishi Sunak's house. That was and a big it, one, though. That was a big one. I mean, a big stunt. I mean, it was. But wasn't that more about them going, you know what, just stop all, let the daddies take charge. This is how we do it. Well, what about Friends of the Earth? What happened to them? I mean, I joined Friends of the Earth. I joined Friends of the Earth about 20 years ago. I remember. Yeah. I was ahead of the game by miles. And honestly, they sent me shit about once a week. Every week I get a letter going, baby seals yeah. are dying. And I'm like, it wasn't me. <laughs> and I used to think, I'm not, I don't need it. As friends of the earth, I need like a mild acquaintance of the earth, you know, or like a friend of a friend of the earth. That would have done me. I wonder, I wonder with Rishi, is you know, like when you're away in another country, a lot of people look through their ring bell thing just to see what's going on. That's quite a ring bell, isn't it? You go, well, his wife's saying to him, what are you doing, Rishi? He's like, yeah, just looking at what's going on. Does does appear to be our house being besieged by activists, darling. It's uh, dark and it's two o'clock in the afternoon. I don't understand. Yeah, it's, it's, all got, it's all got really dark. Who's that neighbour we asked to, uh, to, to feed the hamster? Is there any chance we could go? Oh, no, apparently... Apparently they can't get access to the building because it's been commandeered. I mean, has it, there it, been it... an eclipse? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Ian Stone, we could talk for ages, man. But I'm sure after you did a show, you're probably uh, keen to get a bit of grub and stuff like that. But I would obviously advise anybody. Of course, there's there's your book. Remind us of the title of your book, which is still Looks out. To be someone, uh, it's about growing up, social history, autobiography, and love letter to Paul Weller and the Jam, and it's still out there. And some very funny stories about your dad, and I can vouch for at least 125 pages of that. <laughs> and uh, and go and see Ian Stone's show. Ian Stone will make it better at the Edinburgh Fringe, and then pop over and see mine from the 14th. And uh, we, will, we will be back next week with another show. But uh, Ian Stone, thanks very much for coming back on What Most People Think. Thanks, Jeff. Do a bit more upbeat than that, for fuck's sake. Thanks, Jeff. It was just one of the best experiences of my entire life. <laughs> Cheers, Stoney. <laughs> 